Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. And you can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description below this video, online at fellowshipgj.com. Or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us today and enjoy today's service. Good morning, Fellowship Church. How you doing? <laughs> if you can't tell, we're stoked for worship this morning and we can't wait to worship with you guys. We love you so much. The song we're about to sing, it talks about honoring God for everything he's done, everything he's doing, and everything that he will do. He is our hero in heaven and he deserves nothing less than the biggest praise that we have on our lips. Amen? So let's put our hands together and let's lift his name high.
we're, we're singing the words, I will remain confident in this, I will see the goodness of the Lord. And I wonder if we were to just be honest this morning, how many of us would say, because I, I know I feel this way sometimes, that there are things that I want to see God's goodness in. There are things I've been hoping for. There are changes that I've wanted to see when it comes to my health, when it comes to, to my mind, when it comes to my emotional well-being, when it comes to raising kids and, and family dynamics and finances. And it's like we put our hope in God and, and, and we want to see something turned around right now. How many of you would say you want to see something turned around. Now, what I love about this song is it's a reminder that I need sometimes is because what so many of us do is we wait for the outcome. We wait for once things get better, then I'm going to give God a praise. We wait for once the, this problem goes away, once I get the job, once this sickness goes away, once I lose the weight, then I'm gonna say thank you, Jesus. But, but this is a reminder, church, to praise him in advance. To praise him because he is someone that we can put our hope in and our trust in before the outcome is good. It's like we look at David. And David went out onto the battlefield against Goliath and he still faced the giant ahead of him. He still had a problem ahead of him. But you know what he started doing? He started talking smack. He started, he started proclaiming the goodness of his God. And he said, whoa, my God who has delivered me from the paw of the lion and the bear, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that would stand and defy the armies of the living God? And when we praise our God in advance, we're saying, oh, I don't need to wait for the outcome because I already know he's good. So I'm gonna praise him now. And maybe God is waiting for you to get to that point where you say, before I see things get perfect, I'm gonna praise him because he's good. So I wanna encourage you, church, so let's keep singing this song. We're gonna sing, I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord. So make that your heart cry. Pray, pray it out and sing it out in faith today as we praise our Lord together.
praise you. If you put your hope in the everlasting God, let's give Jesus a shout of praise today. So good, so good. Well, church, welcome. We're so glad that you're here with us today on this Memorial Day weekend. I wanna ask you to please remain standing for a moment because we wanna take a moment together to honor those who have given their lives so that you and I could have the freedom that you and I have. The fact that we can come together and worship together, the fact that we can live the type of lives we can live is all because there are other people who gave the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus said in John 15, greater love hath no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. And he was speaking from the eternal perspective, but, but you know how many men and women the countless men and women who have followed Jesus in that path of saying, I'm going to lay down my life so that others can live a better life. And today we honor that. And I just wanna ask you, if you've, if you've been affected and you have a loved one, whether it's friend or family, someone you know that, uh, that has died serving our country, just, just put your hand up and, and represent your family there. And, and we see your hands and we honor we honor you. And we want to take just a moment as a church family because we are a church that honors the things that God honors. And, and we are going to stop for a moment and just pray together and thank God for the men and women who laid their lives down. And we're also going to pray yeah, just for strength for those families who remember and who mourn today. So I want to ask you to do that with me right now. So Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus's name that we come before you right now. And we want to say thank you. Thank you for this great country that we live in. Thank you for the fact that we have the freedom to be able to worship you, um, to, to be able to um, gather, to be able to live the type of lives that we do and freedom when we recognize it, it only took place because you called people to follow you in the actions and the steps of laying down their lives so that we could have a better life. And we thank you, God, that you are the ultimate spotless lamb, that you are the sacrifice who laid down your life so that we could have eternal life through a relationship with you. And God, we recognize that and we remember that today. So I pray that as families gather over this weekend, that it wouldn't just be a time for hamburgers, but this would be a time where we would remember those who have paid the ultimate price for the freedom that we get to experience now. So God, please be with those who are mourning, be with those who are grieving. And God, we thank you. Thank you again. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's just thank God one more time. Well, church family, you are looking wonderful today, looking suave. In fact, why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you're looking suave today. Looking fly. Even if it's not true, even if it looks like they just crawled out of bed, didn't even do their hair. It's cool. It's like, we made it. We're here on a holiday weekend. So... Thank God for that. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Thank you for joining with us online. If you want any more information about our church, we would love it if you would text the word fellowship to 94000. That's fellowship to 94000. We'd love to get in contact with you and help you get connected here at our church. We are meeting here together. I know that uh, there are many of you that haven't stepped foot back in a church since the whole COVID thing, but I wanna encourage you, get off the couch, come meet with us right now. 
I know there are some of you that are probably watching in your RV over this uh, holiday weekend, and that's wonderful. We thank you so much for, for joining with us uh, as an extended part of our family right now. Now, this is the time in our worship service where we're gonna continue giving God our, our worship and our praises by giving him our tithes and offerings. You know we don't pass offering buckets here at the church, so um, if you did bring an offering, we have offering drop boxes in the lobby that you can uh, drop off before you leave. Um, you can always mail in your offering. You can give online, you can text the number on the side screen to give. But I want to encourage you, the easiest way to give is to download the Church Center app. Uh, give us your information there. That way you can, uh, you can register for classes. You can, you can send your kids to camp. Praise Jesus. And, um, and then you can, uh, you can so easily just type in the amount you want to give. Click it's done. It's as simple as that. So I want to just encourage you to do that. But um, I, I want to pray for you today uh, that, that, that we would follow Jesus and trust him when it comes to our finances. And he would bless us. The Bible says the generous will themselves to be blessed. So those who are generous will be blessed themselves. And, and, and that's countercultural. It doesn't make sense to our mind. We think if I want to have money, I got to hoard it to myself. And he's going, no, no, no. This is all a test of your heart. And he is our source. So if we're, we're saying, okay, God, I'm going to be generous and I'm going to trust you because that's what you say. He's saying, since you trust me, I can trust you. I can pour back on you. And I, I tell you what, I want that a lot more than anything I can come up with. So let me pray for you today as we get ready to give. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the fact that, that, that giving is an opportunity to be blessed. And I pray right now, I just, I just come against uh, people who have bought into the lie and bought into the, the, the cynicism of just, oh, churches just want you to, God, we know you don't need anything from us. And we thank you for that. But we thank you for the fact that you are using this to test our hearts and to see that if we trust you, you can give us even more. So God, that's what we pray for. I pray that you would break through um, um, any barriers that we've put in place where we haven't been trusting you. And uh, bless people, God. You know there's financial needs in this room. And it's in uh, Jesus' name what we ask that you would meet those needs. And, and please bless us today, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I've got good news for you. 260 uh, students and volunteers have been up at Camp Cedar Ridge for 4640 Camp. Praise God for that. I've been hearing so many wonderful stories about how lives are being changed, how your kids are coming back, and they've had fun. They've done all sorts of great events and activities and stuff like that. But the most important thing is they are coming back after having some exp experience, some personal time with God. Lives changed. His Holy Spirit conviction on people's lives. And I'm telling you, they're going to come back grumpy. They're going to come back tired. They're going to come back hungry. But they are coming back changed. And we are so excited for all that God has done in their lives. But we'll tell you, we loved having your kids with us, but to be honest, we want to give them back. So um, uh, I want to tell you that right now I've just, I've been in contact with Pastor JL. The buses have been loaded and they have been headed this way for, uh, uh, for about 30 minutes now. So they will be here by 1230 today. So if your student is coming back, please be here at 1230 so we can get them uh, to you. And, and get this process rolling on. Thank you so much for trusting us with your kids. And um, what, what's just a wonderful thing we want to thank God for of how he showed up in a powerful way. Uh, we also want to show you some other things that are taking place in the weeks to come. Take a, a look at what we've got going on right here at Fellowship Church.
Starting this Wednesday, June 2nd, we are combining our high school and middle school services for 4640. It's for 6th through 12th grade, and it's going to be 630 to 830. It's called 4640 Outdoors. It's going to be a blast. This Wednesday is a Hawaiian-themed night, so make sure you come dressed up. Students, you do not want to miss this. It's going to be a ton of fun. Coming up on June 17th, we are doing something for the very first time. It's our men's retreat, and there's only a few spots left, so I highly encourage you, go get signed up on the Church Center app. It's only $299. This is gonna pay for all your meals. This is gonna get you four incredible sessions. It's up in the mountains at an incredible ranch. The location is insane. You guys do not want to miss it. It's a great time to grow in your relationship with Christ and to connect with some other guys who want to fight alongside you in this walk of life. Please sign up today. This summer, we are launching a couple new activity groups. This is a great way for you guys to meet other believers who have common interests as you. So if you're interested, go to this Church Center app and sign up on the Groups tab. This summer, we are doing our very first Super Kids Conference. It's only $79, and you are not gonna want your student to miss this. This is for students going into second grade through going into sixth grade. It is designed specifically for their age group. It's gonna target exactly what they're going through. They're gonna be able to connect with God through five different services, but also have a blast connecting with other volunteers and kids their age. It's gonna be so much fun. Make sure you sign up on the Church Center app for your kids to go to the Super Kids Conference. Thank you so much for joining us today. We know that God has something specifically for each one of us. I hope that you enjoy today's service. Oh yeah, put your hands together for Jesus, man. Isn't he good? He is an awesome and an almighty God. I am so glad to see you all here. Thank you for being in the live service, live 3D people sitting right here. Thank you all so much. Those of you that are watching from home or wherever you might be today, thank you again for tuning in. You might be watching this at a later time. Maybe you've had a family member share this with you even weeks or months down the road, and I hope you get something out of the message. This is a two-part message. Now, what that means is that I may, at the end of this message, leave some of your questions concerning this message unanswered. But be patient, because what that means is I'm planning on coming back next Sunday and uh, just filling in the blanks for you. So I hope, you'll, uh, I hope you'll be back, bring somebody with you. And again, thank you for being here on this, this holiday weekend. Isn't it cool to see how many of our young people are tucking into God up on the mountain at Camp 4640? So thankful for all them. Let me pray for them real quick. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for your protection. And Father, I want to pray for all of our loved ones that might be traveling this weekend. I pray that you would bless them, watch over them. Don't let anybody get in an accident or get hurt in any way. Everybody in this room, I pray that you would protect everybody they love. And I ask this in the name of Jesus. I also pray the prayer of Jabez over everybody that's listening in this room or watching online. I pray, Father, you bless us indeed. I pray you keep your hand on us. I pray that you would expand our territory and that you would keep us from evil so we don't mess up the kind of blessed life you want us to have. And I ask this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Well, the title of this two-week series is found in John chapter 11, verse 22. Let me give you a backstory. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother, they were loved by Jesus. Jesus had a relationship with them, and he would stay with them. The Bible says Jesus loved Lazarus, but Lazarus got sick. Jesus was doing ministry in a town that was far away. Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus that the one you love is sick. Please come quickly. When Jesus got word that Lazarus was sick, the Bible says that he stayed a couple of more days. And when he finally got back to where Lazarus, Mary, and Martha were, Lazarus had already been in the grave for four days. When Jesus arrives, the women are ticked. Mary stays inside, ignoring Jesus. Martha runs out to confront Jesus. She said, if you'd have been here, if you'd have come on time, if you'd have come when we called you, my brother would not be dead. And then Jesus said, show me where he is. And, but before that happens, there's this other exchange that takes place where Martha comes to this realization. If you were present, this would not have happened. This tragedy would not have taken place, Jesus, if you were here in the room. But, she says, and watch this, the Bible says in verse 22, even now, Martha said, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Martha was completely convinced and believing that even now, God could bring a miracle and turn that tragic situation all the way around. And I am convinced that if you live any length of life whatsoever, you too are going to need an even now miracle. Even now after your heart has been broken. Even now after you've been betrayed and lied to and lied on. Even now after you've created wall after wall of layers in front of your heart where you emotionally have been dead to a relationship for years. Even now when you have taken those dreams completely off the table and now you're believing that your life is only going to be where it's been stuck for so many years. Even now after the loss of a job. Even now after a career has ended and you're only 50 years of age. Every one of us, after we've gone through so many things in life, still are going to need, even now, miracles. Well, what I want to do is jump you back to the very beginning, where God created us and where he wants us to have this super blessed life. Now, I'm going to fly through it quickly, but I'm going to oversimplify. This is a version of what God wants for you and I as his kids. It will be overly simplified. Okay, are you ready? I say, are you ready? Okay, here we go. God created you. God created you. Knit you together in your mother's womb. You are not an incident and you are not an accident. It may have surprised your parents when you came, but it did not surprise God. You are born when you were supposed to be born, when you were supposed to be born, and to the family you were supposed to be born to. God himself created you and put you here now. Why? For a purpose. What is that? That you might have a relationship with him and an eternal home with him in heaven when this life down here is over. God created you for a purpose of being a part of his forever family, living in his forever home. But that doesn't happen automatically. You have to make a decision. 
And it is a decision that your parents can't make for you, your spouse can't make, and your grandparents can't pray you in. It is a decision that you and only you can make. So God in this life puts you and I in a workshop where he downloads information so that we might receive it and then decide how we're going to respond to it. And the first load of information is this. Are you ready? Not everybody is going to get into heaven. Matter of fact, Jesus himself says the vast majority of people that have ever been on this planet or on this planet right now are in no way getting into his heaven. Jesus, who is God's plan for salvation, says this himself in Matthew chapter 7. Enter through the narrow gate, Jesus said, for wide is the gate and broad is, and easy to travel is the path that leads to the way of destruction and eternal loss. This is, by the way, amplified paraphrase translation. And there are many who enter through it, but, Jesus said, small is, watch these words, the gate, one gate, only one. It is a narrow theology that Jesus is sharing. There is one way and one way only to go to heaven, and Jesus tells us what that way is in a minute. And he says, and by the way, not only is it one gate, not only is it narrow, he also says it is difficult to travel. This path leads to everlasting life, and there are, in comparison to the many who will not go to heaven, few, only a few will find it. And then in John chapter 14, verse 6, he clears out what this way is. He says, it's me. I'm the gate, he says. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, John 14, 6. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So now let's say you were born, you hear the plan of salvation, you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, you have a home forever in heaven, but your soul's saved, but your flesh is not. Your soul is saved, but your mind is not. Your, so your mind and your soul uh, and, and your mind and your flesh still need help. So here you are, saved, a born-again child of God, a home forever in heaven, but your flesh still does things that you wish it wouldn't do. Is anybody relating to what, what I'm saying? And, and here's why. Your flesh is stupid. And your mind processes stupid things. Do you know there's not a man in here that would ever get in trouble with his wife if his mind didn't tell him to say something stupid to her from time to time? It's not him, it's his unsaved mind. It's not our flesh, it's our stupid flesh. Now, to prove the point that I'm talking about, that you and I as Christians that are on our way to heaven that should know better still do stupid things, I found a video that depicts this very thing. In the Bible, God's kids are referred to as sheep, and this imagery is well known throughout the culture of the Bible where Jesus was known as a shepherd. And we as sheep keep getting ourselves in trouble even though the shepherd is telling us and right there to help us get out of it. So, so this is what happened. We as sheep get stuck in a ditch. The shepherd comes along and pulls us out. And we say, okay, good, thank you. We got it, I got it now, I got it, okay. Oh. 
Are you kidding me? Lord, I'm fine now. Thank you for pulling me out. I'm good. Okay, I think yeah, I got to go. Oh, no. Why? Because our flesh is stupid. And when God wants to give us a blessed life and continue to move us forward and have us have a great relationship, have us have a great marriage, a great family, great job, wants us to prosper, wants us to live a super blessed life, sometimes we get away from our Heavenly Father and we keep jumping in the same ditch, the same ditch over and over and over again. And in Galatians chapter 5, this is what God said, Christ has set us free. This means we are really free. Now hold on to your freedom and don't ever become stuck. That word slave means you just can't do the things that you want to do. Don't ever become stuck again uh, uh, to the law law again. So when we get stuck in this life, and listen, we will get stuck in this life. Well, I'm born again, child of God, I go to church, I read my Bible, I pray, I worship just a few minutes ago. I get all that, I get all that, but your flesh and your mind are still going to get you stuck again and again. That's why you can have a marriage where you may be only two or three years into that marriage, and you feel stuck in that relationship. It's not progressing. Needs are not being met. This didn't what I thought it was going to be. It doesn't feel right. It felt right, you know, first year or so. Or maybe now you're raising kids and life's busy and you're going your way, they're going theirs. Work schedule, job schedule, taxi cab service. Maybe you're in the empty nester syndrome. And now you've been married 20 years or 25. And now, well, now you've been married 40, 45. You're retired together. You're at home a lot together. And now, and now you, you're, you're home all the time. And your wife will never tell you this, but you are secretly driving her crazy. Why? Because your flesh and your mind aren't saved. And there are going to be times in your life your finances get stuck, your business gets stuck. And when all these things happen, the check engine light comes on. What is that? It's the Holy Spirit telling you something's just not right. Something is making you not happy. You're not advancing. Things aren't going the way that they should go. And your life doesn't look like the blessed life that God wants to bless you with. When that happens, and I'm still on this scenario, two questions have to be asked and answered. The first question is, is life causing this? I mean, Jesus said, what did he say? In this life, you will have trouble. So is this just trouble that comes along with doing life? He also said that the path, the narrow path, is difficult. Is what I'm going through just normal difficulties of living in this life? Or question number two, am I causing this problem? Nobody pushed me into the ditch. I jumped into it myself again. See, with Mary, Mary didn't do anything because of the situation she was facing. Life was just happening around her. But there are some things that you and I do that, listen, get us stuck ourselves or get us stuck again ourselves. Some ditches we just jump into on our own, even after our gracious Heavenly Father miraculously pulls us out of them. Well, what are those things? Because if we're going to need these even now miracles, and I... And let me just stop, let me just stop for a second. I make it a practice to, right after the service is over, whether my son's preaching or whoever, to be in the lobby, to shake hands with people, hug some necks, or get out on the sidewalk, say goodbye to some people, mess with some folks. I love doing that. But there are many times that I will, I will look in the eyes of one of the ladies in our church, one of my sisters, and I can tell that their heart has been broken. And I can tell that they've, 
kind of given up after two or three really bad relationships and betrayals and disappointments that they're never really going to have, you know, kind of a, a, a man of God husband who will wrap them up and pray for them and really try to be to them what God wants them to be. And you can just see it as you're talking to them. You can just see a hopelessness and hear a hopelessness coming out of their mouth that, that their life's probably stuck. Man, they've made a few bad decisions on their own and probably yet, you know, contributed to it. But, but you, you can just tell that they feel that way. And, and listen, I will never stop believing for you an even now miracle. That no matter how bad you've been hurt, no matter how many times you've been betrayed, no matter how many jobs you've lost, no matter how many bankruptcies you've gone through, no matter what 2020 dealt you, I will never stop believing that after everything you've been through, through every stage and every age of your life, that even now God can from this moment forward give you the best life you have ever lived. But, dear child of God, we can't jump in a ditch and blame anybody else for it. So how do we do that? We jump into ditches with personal sin, actions and attitudes that are in a rebellious nature toward our Heavenly Father. Now, this is important. Your Heavenly Father is your father. He is not your grandfather. And there is a difference have you noticed that as a father, you correct your children, you coach your children, you sometimes discipline your children? Uh-uh, daughter, no, no, you were out too late. Nine o'clock curfew for you, daughter. That's a daddy. That's what a daddy does to his children. He corrects. He, he, he uh, uh, sometimes has to chasten. If he loves them, that's what's going to happen. But when your dad turned into a granddad, things change. There's no rules at their house. They're not correcting anything or anybody. And the reason why your kids come back from grandma and grandpa's house and act like they lost their mind is because when your parents became grandparents, they lost their mind. But your father, your heavenly father, is not your grandpa. So he wants to you to correct attitudes and actions that are of personal sins. And he gives you a way to do it. He said, don't hide it. It's 1 John 1, 9, confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So do it quickly. If you sin, then don't try to hide it. Don't act like you didn't sin. Just ask God to forgive you and he will forgive you. And then you're unstuck in that area. Here's another area where you get stuck. Nah, it's not about having an even now miracle. It's about you keep jumping in this ditch. And that is the ditch of self-pride. A few weeks ago, we talked about pride. I did, and then my son came back and taught an incredible message on the, 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 the potential of self-pride and how we gotta watch out for that. And our Heavenly Father does not want his children to have or indulge in self-pride. We see it running rampant in our culture. You see it among celebrities. You see it among a, a, a sports athletic, uh, the athletic field. You, you'll see all different people receiving all kind of accolades and praise as if they're responsible for everything that they're doing and have been able to accomplish. 
God says that my children ought to know better. And children of God, we should know better. You and I should know better than anybody that every good thing comes from God. That you wouldn't have the breath that you breathe in your lungs. Your heart wouldn't be beating inside of your chest. You would never have a creative thought. And no good thing would come to your marriage, your life, your 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 job, your joy. No good things would come to you. No favor from people would come your way if it weren't for your heavenly Father deciding to pour out goodness upon you at that moment. All good things come from God. To God be the glory. Great things who? He has done. He's just letting you and I get in on it. So he does not want to see us as his children taking credit when you know you don't deserve that credit. You know if you got what you deserve, no good thing would ever come your way. And God says, in the relationship we have, those things need to be praising him and you not accepting praise for it yourself. This is a dangerous thing. I can't tell you the number of people we've seen in our life had great potential to do great things for God. People started bragging on it on them, they started believing their own press, and then they started puffing up and thinking that they should be treated in a way that they, that they did not deserve to be treated because of somebody saying something nice about them. And God says, not in my kids. This will keep you in the ditch. Let me show you what I'm talking about, Acts chapter 12. Uh, here's a little backstory. Um, uh, Simon, I think it was Simon Peter. Simon Peter was thrown into jail by King Herod, and um, uh, King Herod was going to, you know, just keep him there for a while, and he had a guard on one side, a guard on the other side, chained to Simon Peter in the jail. They had guards at the door of the jail cell, guards at the doors of the jail, and at the gate of the city. And in the middle of the night, an angel came, let Simon Peter out, and, um, and, and so he's free, right? Herod gets mad. Herod has those guards uh, put to death. They didn't do anything wrong. The angel set him free. The guards didn't. So Herod has the guards put to death. He's mad at people in two different towns. Delegates from two different towns, Tyra and Sidon, come to see King Herod to say, hey, hey, we were good here because they were relying on King's Herod uh, country to provide them, them meals and food. And so when they came to see him, they started bragging on him. They started kissing up to King Herod. King Herod sat on the throne. He put his royal uh, garments on. He put his crown on. And he gave them a speech. I don't think the speech was that good. But they started bragging on the speech. Woo! This ain't through. This is not the words of man. This is the words of a God talking. So King Herod decided, <laughs> yeah, I am bad. That's a pretty good speech. Now watch this. And all at once an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give God the glory and instead permitted himself to be worshiped. And he was eaten by worms and died five days later. Ew. Are you kidding me? I wonder how many of God's kids are being, their joy is being eaten from the inside. Their happiness is being eaten from the inside. Their relationships are being eaten and things are dying in their life. Why? Because they are filled with self-pride, thinking somehow they're entitled to things that God has blessed you with. Anytime Anytime anybody brags on you, quickly, quickly, quickly turn that toward God. 
Oh, you sing so well. That, that's, you know what? Nobody else in my family sings. This, this is the talent God gave me. God gave me this ability to sing. Oh, you played the piano. Well, I worked hard at it, but let me tell you something. I wouldn't even be able to find those keys, man. I couldn't work my fingers if God didn't let me work my fingers. Oh, man, you're so creative. I wouldn't have a creative thought if it weren't God. Always pass that credit on to Heavenly Father. Always do it. It'll keep you in a ditch. And here's the last one, an unforgiving spirit. God's saying, I do not want my kids to have an unforgiving attitude. And this is what he said. When it comes to sin, man, confess it. When it comes to pride, whoo, you see it, get rid of it. And when it comes to an unforgiving attitude, just let it go. Quit rehearsing it. Quit talking about it. Quit planning an attack on that enemy. Just let it go. Because an unforgiving attitude is going to keep you locked up emotionally. And no woman wants to be attached to a man who's locked up emotionally. And no man, no matter how good you look, wants to be locked up or attached to a woman who is locked up emotionally. Simon Peter, again, who's been offended, comes back to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lord, how, how often should we forgive someone, Matthew 18? And, and this someone's translated a brother or a sister, so somebody close, somebody trusted, somebody in the inner circle, who sins against me, Simon Peter says, seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Now, the number Jesus gives is hyperbole. It, it, it doesn't really even matter, the number. It's not about the exactness of the number. Seven times 70, seven times seven is 49, carry the zero down, 490. It's not like God wanted you to keep a list of everybody in here and go, Donnie, Donnie, a couple of years ago, you offended me. And then last month you said something, and I didn't appreciate the fact that you walked past me and didn't hug my neck last week. So that's three. So three from 490, I forgave you three. three four, you have 487 left. God didn't say, Sally, oh man, you gossiped about me two years ago, and then you said this to my friends, and then you ignored me in the grocery store. Okay, okay, I've forgiven you all those, but you're down to 462. Bill, Bill, I'll tell you what, man, you hit my feelings all these years. You have hurt my feelings seven, two, 272 times. You have 218 times left, and then the hammer is going to fall, buddy, because that's 490. Oh, that's not what God was saying. God wasn't, Jesus wasn't saying keep track with everybody up until the point where they hit 490 offenses in your life, and then you don't have to forgive them anymore. Jesus was not saying that people deserve to be forgiven 70 times 7. What Jesus was saying is that you deserve to be free. Or what you will be incarcerated by when you don't forgive. You deserve to be free of what you would be incarcerated by if you don't forgive. Jesus is telling you what is best interest for you, not them. Jesus is telling you what you deserve, not what they deserve. So your motivation for forgiving others is not because you love them, because you may not. Your motivation for forgiving others is because you love you. Because not forgiving does not punish that other person. It punishes you. They may go on with their life. You may watch them do it, but you're going to stay stuck. And I hear people say, Pastor, I'm just not sure I'm ready to forgive. Nobody's ready to forgive. 
But here's the question. Are you ready to start living a life in a way where you refuse to be dysfunctional because of somebody else's dysfunction? I know you're not ready to forgive, but, 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 but are you ready to, to, start, uh, to stop having your future dictated by somebody else's and what they've done to you in the past? No, you're not ready to forgive, but are you ready to live where you don't need someone else's apology in order for you to start advancing forward again and get unstuck? Why did Jesus tell us to do this? Because a lack of it locks you up. A lack of forgiveness keeps you in a ditch. And this is why Jesus tells us again and again and puts this crazy number on it. Because he knows your heart is going to be under attack for the rest of your life. Why? Because as long as you deal with people, you have to deal with what comes with people. From those that you know well and those that you hadn't met yet, listen very closely, they will not be perfect. Every person in your life will jump in a ditch. And then when you get them out, they'll blame you for pushing them in. And then they'll be mad at you for not spending resources to get them out quicker. And then they'll get amnesia that you ever drug them out in the first place. And then they'll jump right back in that ditch again. So you're either going to live on an island by your messed up jumping in a ditch self. Or you're going to have an attitude of forgiveness. Henry Cloud put, it, uh, Cloud put it this way, forgiveness is not removing the accountability from the offender, it's just releasing them to God so he can hold them accountable. Their accountability is not my responsibility. My responsibility is to recover from the offense, not deal with the offender. Let me say it again. Your responsibility is to recover from that offense, not deal with the one who offended you. And you are going to need all your energy to recover from some of the offenses that have taken place in your life. Because here's what you're saying when you really come down to it. I'm forgiving you because what you took from me, I can never get back. Even though you apologized to me, I can never get back what has been taken. So I am wiping your slate clean and telling you and telling myself, you owe me nothing. Because if you apologize, it doesn't take back the stress. It doesn't take back the time I invested. It doesn't take back the tears that I shed. It doesn't take back the sleepless nights. And it doesn't take back the damaged self-esteem. None of it. I hear people have said to me over and over again, well, I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. And I can only forgive them once they ask for forgiveness. That is not true. Forgiveness has nothing to do with them. Forgiveness has to do with you and God and you moving forward and getting unstuck. Jesus hung on a cross, constantly being abused by people who didn't even know they were doing anything wrong. And he asked God to forgive them. Forgive them. Now, there was a pastor, and I, I heard this story, and I just love it. This, this pastor, uh, he was damaged. And uh, a lot of people that heard him, and another pastor went and heard about it, went to see him, talked to him about it, just see how he was doing. Maybe he could say something that would help him. And this pastor said, I, I'm so healed. And this is what he said, I remember that it hurt, but I don't remember what it felt like. 
This way, I'm so healed that I can remember that it hurt, but I don't remember anymore what it felt like. And you're on your way to that. Because forgiveness is not a one-time event. Forgiveness is a process, and you'll get there if you just keep going. But listen, forgiveness is not forgetting the offense. Only God can forget the offense. You'll always have it in your subconscious mind. It doesn't need to be in your conscious mind and control your day or your actions, but it's always there for you to be able to pull back up. Only God forgets. Forgiveness is not forgetting the offense. It is also not excusing the behavior. And finally, it is not enabling that person to ever hurt you again. Forgiving them is just releasing them. So here's the question. As you pull that person's face to your mind and uh, maybe the name, maybe they're already in heaven. Here's the question. Will you accept the blood of Jesus as full and satisfactory payment for what they did to you? Will you accept the blood of Jesus as full and satisfactory payment for what they did to you? Will you bow your heads with me just for a minute? Anytime you... uh, talk to people in a room about the subject of forgiveness, it's like pulling a scab off of an old wound. Names come to mind, actions, behaviors, hurt, pain, some very, very fresh, very fresh. And I just want to tell you that I'm so sorry those things happened to you. It was wrong. You should not have had to have gone through some of the things that you went through. That shouldn't have happened to you. They took you for granted. You may not have been appreciated. They were blind to your value. But here's the question. Will you accept the blood of Jesus as full and satisfactory payment for what they did to you? Well, if you do, then that debt has been paid in full. They don't owe you an explanation and they don't owe you closure. You decide your closure, not them. You decide when you are going to move on, not them. And if you will, God will promote you and advance you. If you do, he will get you unstuck and give you a right now, even now miracle. So Father God, right now, we ask you in the name of Jesus, as we process through some pain and hurt, All all of us, everyone in this room has dealt with pain and hurt. Broken heart, betrayal, lied on, lied to all of us. But Father, nothing that has been done in our past by broken people, (laughs) living in stupid flesh, jumping in their own ditches, Nothing, Father, that's been done to us by anyone is worth us messing up the blessed life, the blessed marriage, the blessed family, the blessed finances that you want us to live. So we are in that workshop, aren't we? That process where we're just working on ourselves. Not about them. Not about them. This is about us not being stuck so that we might experience again and again and again that which we need. (laughs) 
those even now, <laughs> after everything else that's happened, those even now miracles. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do so right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious Son, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text HEAVEN to 94000 to get in contact with our staff where we can answer any questions you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You can submit your prayer request by texting PRAYER SUPPORT to 94000. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church, or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text FELLOWSHIP to 94000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week in person or online.